You're listening to The Future of Work by Singapore Institute of Management. I'm Graham Brown, your host, and in this show, we feature the leaders from across the region to discuss the forces, opportunities, and challenges that are shaping the future of work. This episode is part of the Dash Plus series that examines the four critical influences of Dash Plus framework, design thinking, agile and transformational thinking, systems thinking, and hyper-performance strategies, all to help you and your organization emerge stronger. Everybody, welcome to the webinar. We are getting ready. We're going live, and we're broadcasting to you from Singapore and Shanghai today. We have special guests to join us to help us address top of the hour, the challenge that we're looking at today, reimagining design thinking. Welcome back to the webinar. So if you're just joining us, uh, let me run through what today is about, what we're going to be talking about. Um, design thinking, obviously a hot subject. So this is the second in the Dash Plus series. If you joined us last week, welcome back. Great to have you here. Hopefully you enjoyed the stories Dr. Kevin shared along with Harish last week. That was a good introduction to Dash Plus and the framework. Today we're going to go deeper into the D of Dash Plus, which is design thinking. All about innovative solutions today and transforming customer experience. So let me give you a heads up what's coming up today. So first of all, let's have a look at the speakers. I'll introduce you to in a minute. So we have Obviously, Dr. Kevin, if you have been familiar from part one, he led us as a guide through the Dash Plus framework, We're joined by Kapil Kane, all the way from Shanghai, coming up in a few minutes. My name is Graham Brown, and I'll be your host today, keeping things together. We are here for the next 50 minutes. Um, I'm going to tell you why you need to stick around for the 50 minutes and what you're going to learn in this session. So hopefully this is going to be more interactive than your average webinar. And we're going to have a bit of fun and learn along the way. So welcome to part two of the Singapore Institute of Management series, the Dash Plus series. Let's have a look at what's coming up. If we can get the slides back up. What I want you to do first, if you are new to webinar formats, there is a chat button at the bottom. So say hello. We would love to hear from you. You can see there's an icon at the bottom of your screen. Simply put chat if you want to just say hello. We'd love to hear from you. If you came back from part one, we'd love to hear from you as well. Just tell us that you've been part of the first one in the Dash Plus series. There are a lot of comments coming up now, folks. Great to see you here. I know you're all busy people. I know you all have a lot of things that you can be doing, especially if you're here in Singapore and we're all sort of returning back to normal. We're all kind of busy right now. So I know you're busy, but let's make this hour a good hour and make it work for everybody. This isn't going to be just about presenting to you. This is going to be about involving you in the process and learning in a very interactive way as well. If this is your first session with us on the Dash Plus series, then welcome. This is a six-part series. We will be walking you through the journey of the Dash Plus framework. Um, Dr. Kevin will be our guide and we'll be joined by special guests every single week. So why stick around? Let's have a look at what's coming up. We can get the slides back up. This is what's coming up. Four things, four benefits of why you should stick around for the next 50 minutes. Number one is the speakers. We've got a special lineup of speakers, obviously myself included there, but Dr. Kevin is back. He's going to give us the framework to help understand and tell a few stories along the way. I think we all enjoyed Dr. Kevin's stories from last week, last time. Kapil Kane is joining us all the way from Shanghai. I'll ask him to introduce himself in a minute. He is obviously one of the leading names in the innovation space, especially when it comes to corporate innovation currently now Director of Innovation at Intel China, previously at Apple, and some time in Stanford as well. So we'll hopefully learn from his experience there. Number two, we're going to learn about design thinking itself and defining it. What exactly is design thinking and what could it do for us as corporate leaders? Number three, we're going to share four design thinking case studies with you today. 
and really dive into them and learn. What are the lessons learned, mistakes made? What can we as corporate leaders take out of those case studies on design thinking? And lastly, but not leastly, stick around because a lot of people have requested seats for this webinar. As you see, there's currently 327 people here. Hello, everybody. Wherever you are in the world, let us know where you are. If you're at Singapore, tell us Singapore. If you're joining us from other parts of the world, great to hear from you. We'd love to hear where you are from. Hello from Myanmar. I just see that one pop up as well. Great to see people from all over Asia and outside of Asia joining us for this webinar as well. Vietnam, India, loving it. So stick around because at the end of this webinar, what I will do is share with you a link where you can jump the line and sign up for the next webinar because this is a six-part series. So if you stick around to the end, you'll get a link and that link will help you register for part three in the series because seats are limited. We can't get everybody to register, obviously. So stick around to the end of the webinar and you can get yourself a place for the third in this six-part series. So let's do it. Let's introduce the speaker. So if you can flash up the speaker card, a quick introduction. Joined by Dr. Kevin and Kapil. Kevin, welcome back. Good to see you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. So last time you walked us through the Dash Plus framework. Just a quick heads up. Do you want to tell us the 101 on what Dash Plus is and why people should stick around for the six-part series? Yeah. So Dash Plus has uh, evolved. It's grown up uh, since two weeks ago. Uh, just to quickly recap, D stands for Design Thinking for Innovation. A stands for Agile Thinking for Transformation. S stands for Systems Thinking for Ecosystem Collaboration. H is to do with hypergrowth or high performance, depending on the size of your company. And what's PLUS? PLUS is leadership that cuts across everything. Now, the nice thing to think about when you think about D, D is about the customer, right? The, your innovation starts from the customer. A is about the organization that you run. It's a transformation organization that did deliver uh, value to the customer. S, always think about the ecosystem in which your company is located, the partners, the clients, and whatnot. And H, whether your company is going to hyper-perform, hyper-grow, or just perform really, really well. And again, it takes good leadership to cut across all four. And leadership has to respond to the times, whether it's good times when the economy is flourishing or you're facing a black swan event like COVID. There you go. Yeah. You see this as, as a framework to navigate oh, yeah. through crisis. And we talked about that last time as well. I'm sure we're going to go into this today as well. So we're going to hear more from Kevin today and some of the insights as well, some of his anecdotes, case study evidence as well. Uh, before I introduce our guest today, let's just do a, a quick shout out to the people in the room. 344 of you joining from all over the world, it seems. Singapore, Vietnam. Hello, Vietnam. Dublin, Ireland. Hello, Dublin, Ireland. How about that? What time is it there? It must be sometime early morning. Good morning, Dublin. Thank you for joining us. Malaysia, India, Jakarta, Vietnam, Myanmar, India, Vietnam, Myanmar. The list goes on. Sorry if I've missed you out, but it seems like there's a lot of people joining us today. Fantastic. I know you're all busy. Hong Kong, Philippines, welcome. Hopefully, this is going to be enjoyable for you. Thank you for sharing this hour with us. Coming up, let's have a look at our order of things and back into the speakers. So we've looked at uh, what's coming up, introduced Dr. Kevin Kapil Kane. Welcome to the Dash Plus podcast, the series. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Graham. It's always a pleasure to have a chat with you and your friends. I'm based in Shanghai. I've been living here for the past 13 years. Uh, yeah, I uh, I grew up in India, actually, um, on the seaside um, beaches, you know, of Goa. And from there, I made my way to the U.S. I went there to design cars in Detroit um, and then found it too slow. So um, I went to get my, um, actually, PhD at, at Stanford University. And I dropped out after a couple of years to go work at Apple. And I came to China, came back to Asia with Apple, and I've been here ever since. Yeah, what a journey that is as well. I like the fact you've dropped out of university, that sort of classic West Coast career uh, path. You, you know, but, you know, it's not that bad because I could, you know, <laughs> had enough credits to get my master's. So it was not okay. all <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're not a proper dropout then. Yeah, so but you, I... What, what did you do at Stanford? <laughs> what were you studying? You know, I was actually researching 
something that later went on to become design thinking. Hmm. So um, I was in uh, Stanford's mechanical engineering uh, uh, engineering school in the design division group, and and I was working in a laboratory called <clears throat> Manufacturing Modeling Laboratory. That was all about Toyota's uh, uh, manufacturing systems, which gave rise to design thinking and lean startup. So the whole idea of design thinking and lean startup, I would say, is design thinking plus business is about reducing waste, right? Because if you look at, uh, there's a study from Harvard Business Review, and it talks about the new product introduction from large corporates, and 85% of the products fail. And they fail not because the product is bad, because they build something that no one wants. And that's trillions of dollars of wasted capital every year. And the idea was, how do we reduce that waste? How do you build things that actually matter to people, that actually solves people's problems? That's design thinking. And then add on to that, can I make money out of it, is Lean Startup. And how to do that in a, in a way which is uh, iterative, uh, which is getting the, your users, your customers into the loop. Uh, they say build, uh, measure, learn, and keep doing these loops until you find a product market fit. Um, mm. And that's how I think of you know design thinking and lean startup methodologies. Yeah, next week, I mean, next one we're going to do agile thinking. So that's really a continuation of that. We're looking at design thinking today and the lean startup, which is really the, the base for agile as well. And a lot of that, like you say, comes from the Toyota philosophy as well. Dr. Kevin, as well, I mean, design thinking, this was the, the first step in the Dash Plus framework. Would you like to venture a definition? What do you call design thinking? How do you define it? Yeah, so what I like about design thinking uh, is the fact that it's about starting from the customer or the end user. I think that's, that's the key point. And, and Kapil has already mentioned it, alluded to it. Build stuff that people want or people need, right? Even if they don't know they need it, uh, this is what Apple's great for. But when you see it, it's like, wow, it's lovely. I really, really need that, right? Um, so the beauty of thinking for me is first, it's human-centered. It starts from the customer and that customer is a human being. And it's very important to, to bear in mind that human experience of using any product, any solution, any service. Second, the, lo the lovely thing about design thinking, it's systematic. Anyone can learn this. This is one of the easiest innovation approaches in the world to, to learn. I promise you, I can teach this to you in 15 minutes. But I can also promise you something else. It's one of the hardest things to do. It's easy to learn, but really, really hard to do. It's why? a hard 15 minutes. Yes. And the, the reason why it's so hard to do is because of a third factor. Because we all think like human beings. And to be innovative, you have to stop thinking like a human being. So think about it for a moment. You need to create for humans, but you need to stop thinking like a human to create for humans. And, and there, therein lies why innovation is so difficult. And, and this is what I hope we, we're going to talk about uh, throughout the hour. So stay tuned. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, let's uh, dive in. Uh, can, I, can I add something to this? You know, you sure. said innovation is difficult, right? So we recently launched uh, like an intro to one, intro like our innovation 101 to all yep. Intel employees. And they're mostly engineers. And after running the first program, the feedback was, I thought this was going to be fun, but it's so damn difficult. You know, it's funny you should talk about engineers. Uh, when I, when, one of the first things I learned about teaching innovation is that whenever I have an innovation class, it's always the engineers who struggle at help, right? And here's the grand irony. Guess who, guess who made design thinking popular? Engineers. Right? Yeah. So, so, so this is something we all need to think about. Uh, design well, hopefully today we'll, we'll yeah. kind of understand what the problem is a little bit better i think it's sort of demystifying a little bit as well isn't it so yep. okay top of the hour learning about design thinking thank you for your definitions gentlemen starting with the problem i think that was really what was defining it whether it's the human problem or the customer problem however you look at it it's really building it around people so let's jump in we're going to look at the poll now so um i said i promised you this is going to be interactive and you've been great because you have put all your comments in the chat box below. So thanks for sharing and saying hi from different parts of the world. It's great to have a global webinar here about design thinking. But we want to know what the challenges are for you and your organization as well. So what's going to happen is a poll is going to appear on the screen. And there you go. 
The poll is now in progress. You've got one question. I'll read it out. And what I'd like you to do is just pick one answer. And then we will have our panelists, our guests, decode the data. So the question is, what is the biggest challenge you are facing which hinders innovation in your organization? There isn't one in here saying too many engineers, Kapil. <laughs> so, let's have a look through the answers and we'll give everybody time to vote. Encouraging risk-taking inside, sorry, risk-taking inside the organization. Uh, motivating employees to innovate. Collaboration between teams and departments. Gathering insights from users and customers. Overwhelmed by data. Uh, not clear who should lead innovation internally. Interesting there, that data seems to be the least problem at the moment, that that seems to be obviously not what's holding people back. Um, so we've got a few more seconds to vote. We'll give you another 20 seconds to vote. So the biggest challenge is facing organizations hindering innovation. What is the pain point in innovation? I mean, Kevin, you, you've made it so, you've put it very clearly as like, it's a human problem in that sense, isn't it? Is that, um, you know, we, it's easy to think about innovation, but actually doing it in practice is a lot harder. Now we're seeing the data coming through. Let's have a look here. Kevin, would you like to have a first stab at interpreting the data? So we've had 265 people, 265 people vote, 264, five of 300. So 73% have voted. People are still voting now. The most, the biggest challenge is encouraging risk. Number two is collaboration number three motivation employee motivating employees so those three are the top three kevin what do you think are those top three coming through now what does that tell you all right it makes a lot of sense it's, it's exactly uh, what you, uh, you you would expect and you you guys have just have to choose the three hardest things to do huh uh and is the three hardest things to fix um and why is that uh let me let me go through the, the biggest ones. Let's start with the biggest one: encouraging risk taking. I think part of the problem is that we have we don't under, really understand what risk taking really means. Remember, innovation is about pushing the boundaries. For me, it's not gambling. So mm -hmm. let's distinguish risk taking from gam risk, distinguish gambling from trying something that no one has gone before. You've done your due diligence. You've done all your work. You've done all the research. You've done all your testing, and you have to take that leap of faith. Right, and you take a step forward. That's why. So I think people misunderstand that because gambling is easy. The other one is do your due diligence, study, deep dive, understand your customer really, really hard. So that kind of risk taking is very hard because you basically say, I don't know. Even doing all that, all that hard work, I don't know. And you're taking that risk. I think that's first. Second, motivation. Motivation is going to be really, really hard because there's so much diversity in what motivates a person to do. And I myself have done a, recently published a, a paper. This really has to do from uh, uh, which country you're from. Um, and different countries have different motivations. And one thing we can talk about later because there's a the great diversity of uh, people from different countries. Mm. It's about which component of creativity or which, which ingredient drives creativity. There are three ingredients. Very simple. First, arguably the most important motivation, intrinsic motivation. Why are you solving this problem? Are you doing this to make a lot of money? Or are you really trying to solve it? Uh, inherent real customer problem that you're trying to solve. And that's a big difference. In, you're trying to solve the problem versus solving the problem to achieve something else that's of value to you. Second, do you have the skills? Do you have the right thinking skills? Have you thought about this properly? So things like design thinking, that's a, that's a skill that you have to develop. Third, you may have all the best skills in the world, you have the intrinsic motivation, but what knowledge do you have of the area in which you're trying to innovate in? A lot of us have probably heard of things like think outside the, outside the box, break the rules, it's about innovation. My take on break the rules, you only innovate if you break the rules to make better rules. If you break the rules for the sake of breaking rules, you're not going to produce any real value. You've got to make better rules, which means you need to master the domain in which you're, you're innovating. Uh, the last thing, collaboration. It's messy, man. I mean, the, the key to creativity, innovation, diversity, different viewpoints, hmm. and just that alone, getting different viewpoints together, that's collaboration really, really hard. It's a lot of effort. So there you go. It's and all three things very, very human. Remember what I said earlier about how you uh, stop thinking like a human. Yeah, right? you, you need to break through all these natural biases to not collaborate. 
not be motivated for the right reason. And what's the third thing? Uh, I forget, forget, forget. Risk taking, right? Yeah, right. Risk taking, taking risks the right way rather than gambling. Uh, this is just not cognitively uh, normal. Kapil, when you're, you know, your experience in, you worked at Apple, you work at Intel now. When you look at those, I mean, Kevin's talking about collaboration, for example, and risk taking. These are very human factors. How do you, what are the answers? We're going to look at some of the case studies today as well. So we've got some case studies coming up, but at that top level, where does that start in the organization? What is that? Is that a leadership challenge? Is it, what is it, culture? Uh, cult, I think it's culture. I think the, 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 both the collaboration and risk-taking is definitely culture of your organization. You know, although, you know, I'll just give an example this morning. Um, I'm working with a startup and uh, we are trying to figure out if we can give them a real problem to work on. And so we work with a team in Shanghai and they define a problem that the startup can solve. And they, they go ahead and they're starting working on this problem. And this morning I was talking to like a, a very senior engineer about a different problem that startup can solve. And when I mentioned the problem they are working on, he was like, well, how come they can work on it? It's my team. I'm going to question them there are other problems that are more pressing than what they are asking them to do. So people get very territorial. If I was him, I would ask, you know, like, wow, okay, great, you're doing this and what we can learn from it. Rather than people always think about what can I gain for myself from anything that you do, hmm. right? So, so that kind of stifles innovation and collaboration. There's this syndrome called NIH, not invented here. So no one wants to take anything that they can't call their own and everyone trying to build an empire for themselves, right? And if you have that culture, it's very, very difficult to collaborate. And about risk-taking as well, you know, one of the things that I have realized is the kinds of cultural processes you have in place. For example, uh, for example, budgeting. If you don't spend a budget allocated to you, you then get reduced budget the next year. Uh, if you don't deliver what you said you will deliver, you set goals that are easy to achieve and won't take risks. So a lot of things are systematic culture versus, you know, like, for example, at Apple, I remember I, if I wanted to do an experiment, I simply have to convince my manager or my management chain and I could just go ahead and do it as long as there is value in doing it. You don't have to write big proposals about, you know, the, our budget, ROI. Um, but at Intel, I see people are more, you know, thinking about like how much money you spend, the return on investment, lots of checks and uh, stopgap measures. So, you know, it tends you to be, to kind of fall in that mold, you know, not try to do something new. And you need someone um, who can, like what I try to do is I try to protect the people who are innovating and kind of soak up all the pressure and risk for them so that they can go and they can play, they can have a safe or psychological safety to go and innovate and do what they do. Well, I think this is what's going to come out today, isn't it? The role of leaders in innovation is less about innovating, but green lighting. You're, turn, you're turning gatekeepers into an enablers within the organization. So if we have leaders here today, the role should really about how do I grant air cover, give air cover to my people such that they can go and innovate and they can got the bandwidth and freedom to do that. So we have case studies coming up. So let's flash up some of the case studies because this will help us understand how this was done. Um, we've got four great case studies. and We could learn a lot from these today. Pixar, Apple, Samsung, and Asus, and Xiaomi. And Jeff Tan asks, you know, what role does culture play in design thinking? China versus the US? Well, I think we're going to discover it here as well. That's really answered. Thank you for preempting the next slide, Jeff. That's what's coming up. And by the way, if you're enjoying these case studies and these stories, I and mean, there's going to be a lot of information today, a lot to absorb, you're not going to be able to get it all on the first attempt. There's going to be a lot of information and you probably want to go back and review. So SIM, Singapore Institute of Management, has a Future of Work podcast. So this is what you can do. If you've got a phone in your, you've got a phone. Everybody's got a phone. You can just launch the camera app and then just take a photo of that QR code in front of you. What that then will do is open the Future of Work podcast in Spotify. So if you've got Spotify, there you go. You can get it straight away. And if you do that, you can follow the Future of Work podcast and you can start by 
listening back to the last episode, which was number one in this series. And we'll have this episode up shortly. So follow the series, follow the journey with Dr. Kevin and friends. So let's jump into the case studies. I think we've got to start with Pixar, haven't we, Kevin? This is your one. Why did you pick Pixar? Not because it was a Steve Jobs Apple play, but surely what's the story here? Well, Pixar changed the entire industry of animation, well, at least in the US animation. For those from Japan, Japanese animation, let's keep that out of the picture. It's a completely different animal. Uh, and, but this one really tells the story. So out of curiosity, just a quick poll to everyone. Think yourself, how many of you have children? Hands up, right? How many of you have seen Pixar? Very, very good, times. right? Seen the first Toy Story, right? Now the question is, what did Pixar do with Toy Story that changed the entire industry? Uh, most people say they use a new technology, uh, CGI which is true, computer-generated uh, images, uh, graphics, CGI, uh, the, the computer graphics interface, and they married the new technology with old technology, great use of technology to create realistic uh, images. But the one thing that I realized that really truly innovative was this. Pixar realized that no child goes to the cinema by themselves. Every parent will know whenever a new animation comes out, they'll come up to you, Mom, Papa, I want to go see a new movie. And you're like, what? All right? Dads will even say, right, this is a great time to go take a nap. Right? You, you go into any of these movies, the, the adults are all bored, they're falling asleep, you hear people snoring, the kids are laughing. And that's what Pixar realized. No child goes to the cinema by themselves, which means the, the animation movie was designed to entertain only half the audience. Hmm. What do you do with the other, other, other uh, audience? The other half. Right? So they ask themselves, how might we reinvent or innovate on the animation movie so that we can entertain children and adults at the same time. And therein lies Pixar or Toy Story, the very first animation movie that did that, right? It is a great movie. And you just notice one thing, it had nothing to do with technology. It had everything to do with the human experience of going to the cinema to watch an animation movie. And that changed the landscape. Today, if you want to compete with Pixar, your movie has to entertain both children and adults at the same time. Mm. And that's why I always talk about Pixar. And I think this is a great example. Uh, of Do a lot of people tend to think Pixar is a technology play when they talk about the innovation? Like they don't well, I think understand so, but that it's the storytelling part, right? I think so. But Kapil, you're more of a, you're closer to this world than, than I am. Yeah. No, you know, what I would say is actually, you know, what you bring up, the, the point you bring up is looking at your customer value chain. So, after I left Apple, I came to Intel to design purpose-built tablet for kids in emerging countries. And these are the ones that are uh, deployed in government schools. And when I was doing that, I realized that you're not just designing that thing for the kid, you're designing it for the kid, kids' parents, kids' teacher, kids' principal, administration, and the Ministry of Education. So there are so many stakeholders and they want so many different things. And it's, so that's why I feel that education is a really hard nut to crack because there's so many um, uh, people in that value chain that you need to s satisfy. And you also need to figure out who is the decision maker to, to so for, for your business to be successful. So I think what I'm trying to just say is that, you know, like Pixar, what they figured out is that the parents, they also needed to look at the parents, but there are cases where, you just don't need to look at the end customer or the end user, but you need to also look at different stakeholders in the mm. in the value chain. So uh, it's really useful, and it's I think I'm not sure if it's a part of design thinking or not because I'm not really the process guy. Um, but you, uh, but when I was like doing my research at Stanford, we used to have this something called CVCA, customer value chain analysis, where we used to look at who are the the whole look at the whole value chain and make sure that you know who are the right decision makers and who do you need to design things for. So I think that's, some, that's one thing I can, you know, uh, kind of like mm. the lesson learned from this Pixar story is really and understand it, your customer. Yeah. And that, you make a really good point, right? And, and I want to be clear that uh, we, design thinking isn't just, you, can't, you don't just only on the customer. It's really about the entire ecosystem in which your product or business is embedded. You can, you can create great value along the way elsewhere. But at the end of the day, you are delivering to your end customer or end user. That, that's the value. But the design thinking can happen or the innovation can happen somewhere else in, in the value chain. And I think that's really important too. And, and thanks for you, Kabil. That, that makes a lot of sense. 
Uh, it's mm-hmm. important for Bill to understand. Um, and again, the, the, another thing to remember is you're not trying to change the entire value uh, chain. Right? It's oftentimes about finding one place where there's inefficiencies or like you say, lean startup is about, it's about reducing waste and you can just make things more efficient and you can create a lot of value down, down, down the line. And that, that's what matters. Um, mm. And that's what's happening with all this, uh, what do you call it, uh, platform strategies, right? The Amazon, Airbnb, it's, it's about creating, uh, it's about uh, creating certain efficiencies that, that uh, have, have been missing from, from the model. Lots of interesting comments coming in, folks. Um, I'll read some of them out as they come through. Um, All innovation comes with challenges. Identify stakeholders. I think people are in agreement. That's from Nagarajan Ramamurti. Uh, Ziyar Andiyip, I think that's a name from episode one, I think. So welcome back. Um, Looking at indirect shareholders. For example, designing diapers. You target the parents, but not the baby, obviously. That's a good example. That's a follow-on from Pixar. Another example, obviously, is like cat food or dog food. I know you're a dog lover as well, Kapil. The dog doesn't buy the dog food. Otherwise, you know, it's like cat food. If you design cat food, you'll be buying things like, you know, um, mouse-flavored cat food, but it's not, isn't it? It's targeted at parents and the owners of the cats, and they buy them gourmet cat food, right? So that's an obviously an innovation that takes into account all of the stakeholders. Um, obviously, we talked about Pixar. We can't now not directly segue into the next case study, which is something, Kapil, you know very well, Apple. So what is it about Apple that really makes them not just innovative, but consistently innovative. What is the success story? Is it leadership, Steve Jobs? Is it a cultural thing? Have they just got all the great engineers on board? What can you tell us? And do, do, I mean, obviously we talked about design thinking as well. Do they talk about design thinking internally or do they call it something else? What's your understanding from the inside? Um, You know, we never heard this word called design thinking while I was at Apple and I was there till 2011. Uh, we never used the word innovation either. So if I were wow. to go do a search <laughs> wow. through my That's email, innovation, I don't think anything will pop out. So Are you serious? That's yeah, hard to believe. Yes, yes. Because I, I've been hearing innovation very recently after I came came to Intel. And being at Intel for a few years, that's when innovation really picked up and everyone starts talking about innovation. And uh, we just did it, you know. We, uh, I think everyone was expected to innovate. So kind of that word kind of just melted away. Right? Actually, you, can you, if you don't use the word innovation, can you share with us like uh, what words were being said? I mean, not necessarily for innovation, but what, what did you say to each other in, in the, in the uh, course of the day when you guys worked? I think we would call it, it's pretty sick or what he did with <laughs> awesome. I think just very slang, you know, and I don't think we use like things like, uh, you know, like uh, I think we would empathize with the customer definitely, but we wouldn't put things into boxes. And I think that's the beauty, I think, at, at Apple. And I think this was also at a time when we, we were, you know, I joined at Apple, I think, when there were only 2,000, 3,000 employees, actually maximum 4,000 employees because we just had one campus. Uh, so it's still, you know, you know everyone by names. So you don't have to put people in boxes and put labels on them. So it was very, like, you know, uh, fluid. You didn't need to, like, define a process. I even remember we used to submit our expense report on, like, an Excel sheet. There was no real, you know, like, a system in place. So it was quite a, quite a different world back then. Uh, but one thing, you know, I did a TEDx talk in Shanghai a couple of years ago, and I, I talked about my story at, uh, at Apple. Um, and one of my takeaways was this, um, the culture that doesn't stifle uh, innovation and risk-taking, right? Uh, a lot of people think that when iPad came out, they were like, oh, it's just like a, you know, stretched iPhone. Uh, but that couldn't be, you know, for, for this from the truth. Um, The reason I dropped out of school, you know, in 2003, 2004, was to work on a a touchscreen. We were were working on a touchscreen. We had recently acquired a company uh, where you could use like all your 10 fingers to to manipulate the screen and all at once. And this was at a time where touchscreen was poking at a plastic stick. Uh, plastic screen with a stick, right? One poke at a time. And we were able to, I think we had really two cool apps. One was Map, 
And it was just amazing to see our fingers glide smoothly on the, gra uh, on the glass and map moving uh, according to our gestures. And then we had like a DJ turntable app and we were thinking of, you know, creating like a peripheral for, for, a, for a laptop. Like, you know, can we make it like a, like a separate trackpad, which is pretty cool. Um, and then, so we made the first peripheral, we showed it to Steve Jobs. And at the time, I think Microsoft was trying to come up with this idea of tablet. And he said, you know, hey, this is good enough. We can maybe make a tablet. So we went back and oh, we came and we designed a tablet. We came back to him after six months, we showed it to him. And, you know, he pointed out a few things to change. So we went back and forth. And there was discussion whether, you know, should it be 10 inch where we give a full um, keyboard experience or should it be small mm -hmm. enough to be carried? Should it be, you know, um, <clears throat> landscape or portrait? And we kept going on and on for like, I think a couple of years making this tablet. And I remember, you know, making like going from engineering verification to design verification build, almost to production verification build. <clears throat> and and we really had a hardware product there, uh, but there was no real software to go on it. There was no OS. There was no ecosystem of apps at that time. So we didn't know how we would bring it to the market. Uh, so we just had all these tablets piled up in the labs and then we would give it out to software people to go try uh, different things. And one guy, he created this UI <clears throat> where you scroll and scroll and when you reach the bottom, it would bounce back. Uh, and that's called a rubber band effect. Right, so um, on the screen, like when it's like this screen that bounces back, he showed it to Steve Jobs and he just jumped out of his chair and he said, I know what to do with this, kill the tablet project and bring everything you're done onto this other project we're doing. And two years later, iPhone was launched. So what we were doing all this while uh, turned into iPhone, right? So if we, not encouraged to go keep trying um you know like every time we saw him with our little prototype i don't think we'd have iphone it was not imagined because at that time iphone was figuring out what could be the interface while we were working on this different project although we didn't know that we were working on this different project at all uh, but what i tried to say is that you know is you know you may start your innovative innovation journey with one thing in mind, but you know you may end up somewhere completely different. So it's all about you know the journey. It's all about leaders um, giving you that psychological safety that no matter what you do, you know what you're doing is safe, right? You don't need to like, yeah. Yeah, what a story that is, Kapil. There's some comments coming in as well in response to your story, and hopefully people enjoyed that story as much yeah. as we did. And um, Kartik Menon says, Kapil is right, Apple would be customer experience or oriented. This flows from a non-ROI approach at this team level. So I'm not sure it's completely non-ROI, but the fact is they've given a long um, experimental yeah. bandwidth or, or window to explore because otherwise that would have been cut off, right? I mean, if you were doing that for two yeah. years without real products in the market, you could imagine any other manufacturer would have can that project within months, right? You know, it's funny you said can because after the failure of iPad, I did three or four more projects which also get canned. And so people then started saying caned, you know, from my last name. They would say that project got caned, you know, and they were asking whether I was working on it or not. So it took me a, a many years to shift. Is that like the Midas touch in reverse? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. But in some other organization, that would have been a mark of failure, right? But I guess in Apple, that was not seen like that. The fact that you had one out of four hit rate wasn't really an issue because you can imagine in some corporate, and I imagine people here today are sort of like trying to scratch, they're scratching their heads thinking about the business case for internal innovation is that I've got to get results every single time. It's hard for me to spend two years on a project like that. Right. So can I... So just say, when I hear Kane's story or Kabil's story, sorry, uh, the three key important lessons that came out of that story, the, in the very short story, three, three things. It's very important to design thinking. First, um, the, the fact that everyone at Apple said, sick, this is sick, this is, this is cool, right? It, it alludes to an intuition that this is a really, really cool solution. And this is something I would like everybody to remember. Always look at the customer reactions and the behaviors of the user that intuitive reaction 
tells you a lot of information. It's not what you, you never go to a customer and say, what would you like? Right? It's, it's not like Steve Jobs went to the, to the market and say, what would you like guys like to your MP3 to look like? And say, oh, we want a click wheel. We want this uh, white earphones. And then, and then we go build what the customer wants in that sense. It's more like because they understood and put the iPad, uh, so iPod to the, to the market and went, wow, this is, this is sick. This is what we really, really want. So, so that, that behavioral reaction is very important. Second, um, Kapil, you said Steve Jobs took one look and said, this is good enough, let's go. And that's important. Once a, a solution is good enough, you go. You don't wait for perfection. And why? You want to learn, right? You want to good enough, put it to market, let people use it, in some sense, collaborate not only with your colleagues, but collaborate with the market and you can improve really, really quickly. Does it, uh, Kabil, you can, you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but there's this legend that Apple always keeps all the different versions and just releases it slowly, right? Is it? Yeah, you know, like if you look at the first iPhone, right? It's not that we couldn't put a camera in there. Uh, we wanted to just focus on the, the key and get all the noise out and deliver us a great product with the limited features a lot of people think your product is great if you have more features and we were exactly the opposite you know we just would do one and do it really really well okay very interesting yeah very interesting i'm conscious of the time folks and um, i want us to get to the q a section as well people are asking questions as they go through as we take them through the journey as well so i what i'll do is some of these questions i'll I'll gather together into the capabilities section coming up so we can ask those. Um, there's questions about appetite for risk and there's also about budgeting as well, the financial resources. We'll deal with those when we get to the, the end section, which is the Q&A. Um, conscious of the time, so maybe we can take a pick. We've got two case studies remaining. We've got the Samsung and the Xiaomi. Kevin, do you want to take a pick? Which one do you want to do? Uh, let's do Samsung. I, I really like the Samsung example. And, and the reason why I use it is because I, use it, I usually compare Samsung with uh, Asus. And this is a reaction to when iPad first came out. When iPad first came out, like, like Kapil mentioned earlier, they say it looks like a stretch iPhone, right? So why, why go buy go buy, buy something you already have? In, in some strange way, you're saying, I already have an iPhone. If I buy iPads, I'm buying a bigger iPhone that I already have and I pay twice as much. And Asus thought that. And Asus realized that iPhone, iPad, same thing. Let's make a two-in-one solution. Let's, let's have a smartphone with a tablet accessory. And the idea here is that you can put the phone into a dock in your tablet and it just amplifies everything on your smartphone and voila, you have a, a, a tablet. So for the price of one smartphone, you get two devices. That's, that's the idea. Um, if, hands up, if anyone heard a pet phone or how many of you even thought about pet phone? In my experience of sharing this, this example to at least 10,000 people, I think it's a grand total of uh, five people and Kapil was the sixth person ever to tell me <laughs> that, that uh, they, he's even heard of it and uh, of the six, uh, four claims that they got it for free or something and so no one remembered. <laughs> um, and I, I think it, it didn't work out because why? It was, it was targeted and saving some uh, people money. But the problem is when you're using in a tablet form, the phone rings is really, really inconvenient to answer your phone. Right, so, so in some sense, that innovation, it saved you money, it saves people money, but it made your life more complicated and more difficult. Now, Samsung, in, in contrast, had a very similar two-in-one. They, they were trying to come up with engineers for that matter, right? Engineers, engineers capable of innovation. Can you imagine that? Just, just stop for a moment, right? And Samsung, Asian, Asian engineers, Koreans. Um, and they realized that when they were trying to develop a, a, a smartphone that would compete with iPhone, they noticed that all the engineers still took notes on a little yellow notepad. And after they took notes, they would type all the information into their smartphone. And they asked a simple question, can I combine that notepad with my smartphone and make a smartphone for engineers so that they can write straight into it? And so what's the first design feature they did? The size of a, of a galaxy or the, or the galaxy is the shape and size of a notepad, right? It's not a, it's not a, it's not a phablet, it's just the size of a notepad. Second, they introduced this great innovation called a stylus so that you can write in it. You don't just don't you don't just type. And that's it. And shout out to everybody here who, who thinks that uh, a stylus is a great new innovation and all the other people who think that this is a really old thing. It tells us a lot about how old you are. Old people know that this is not new. 
uh, if you're back in days of the Palm Pilot. And, and one of the great things to learn about this, you can take old technology, create new value, and, it's, and, and you, you're, you're delivering uh, innovation. It that's doesn't always right. have to be new technology. So that's, that's my point. Two, two stories, two in one. Mm. One was focused on cheaper. One was focused on making your life simpler. And the one that focused on your life making simpler succeeded. The one that focused on making cheaper didn't succeed. And that's important. Find the right problem to solve. And the right problem to solve isn't always about making people's lives cheaper. Mm. Yeah, there's an interesting conversation here. We, we were talking off air when we were preparing for this webinar about innovation and invention. That, that sometimes there's a, a heavy focus on invention, which has to be almost like Star Trek or sci-fi. And yet sometimes some of the best innovations are very simple. And often they can be a re a re um, iteration of an old technology or an old, you know, tool, for example. So, okay. so I'd like to throw, throw in a quote here. Anyone ever watched MasterChef? I, I just had to throw something food-wise, food-related, right? It's all about food. Go uh, on, you, you ever, want to, I know. <laughs> uh, if, if you ever heard of a chef called uh, Marco Pierre White, I think it's one of the yeah. best statements I've ever heard about uh, innovation. Uh, I said perfection is about doing lots of little things right. And I think that's what this is about. Innovation, uh, successful innovation, but, and Kapil uh, uh, alluded to that. Make, get the features right. Get mm. a lot of features done right. Don't think about perfection. Get all the little features right and you'll be surprised. Small changes, big impact. Yeah. There's no like big idea. There's no like silver bullet for innovation, right? It's a lots of small changes, culture, leadership, and so on. Hey guys, I'm conscious of the time and um, what I want to do is just... Uh, leave a bit more time because last time we did this we had a lot of questions so i want to give the audience enough bandwidth space to ask us questions There's a lot of questions coming in so i'm very conscious i'm aware of the questions coming in so thank you for asking the questions keep asking we will group them together and then we will direct them to the uh to our guests here today what i want to do it just before we get to the questions just a few minutes here um if we can bring up the slides and let's go forward to the, the capabilities section here because we have two case studies and i want the audience to vote on these i've got one these are mythical these are imaginary case studies. So case study one is Changi Airlines, which is a Southeast Asian airline operating out of a local airport not far from here. And the second one is Uncle Delivery, which is a last mile delivery service operated by Singaporean uncles. Um, these don't exist. If they are actually anything like your brand, it's purely a coincidence. I didn't want to single out any particular case studies today so we've got changi airlines and we've got uncle delivery what i want you to do is please just put in the chat which case study do you want our experts to unpack here and then give us some advice so in the chat vote for changi airlines just put changi and vote for uncle just put uncle and what we'll do is just let everybody just put in their comments here <laughs> i think uncle's winning by a clear mile here um, maybe it's just the branding. It exceeds on the branding side alone, <laughs> I think. <laughs> All right. So, okay, just a bit of fun. So I'm going to hand this over. Let's bring Uncle Delivery back up. I think they're a clear winner. Maybe it's like 70% of the votes. So Uncle Delivery. So I want you to imagine the Kevin and Kapil consultancy on design thinking. You have a client walking through your door, Uncle Delivery. We're a last mile delivery service operating here in Singapore. Um, you know, We've been talking about this innovation thing for some time now, folks, but now we're, A, we're uncles. What do we know about innovation? And B, we're a delivery service. I mean, what can you do? We have all these fixed overheads. It's extremely competitive. Um, you know, so, the margins are so small. Exactly. What do we do? How do you start with a case like this? How can you talk about design thinking and innovation with Uncle Delivery? What would be your step one? You know, I think if, if I think if I was Uncle Delivery today, I would definitely hear this word digital transformation. And I would be wondering, what can I do? You know, there's like this Uber, Gojek, whoever, they have like digital platform. I'm old school. I get orders, you know, on my phone and I dispatch things. Um, and do I stand a chance? That That is what I would be thinking or that is what I should be thinking. Right. Uh, what is uh, and then, you know, like we will go in and see uh, what are their core competencies? Uh, how are they 
what are we will look at some of the key metrics and compare that with uh, the 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 new the new players um and start looking at the gaps that that's what i will start to do you know to to start mm. with um and also you know uh what is what is your goal is your goal just to survive or uh is it your goal to use your competitive advantage or your legacy to do something even greater or even like leapfrog all these guys is there an opportunity there if you like build certain capabilities like maybe acquire something partner with someone those are the kind of things i would be thinking and and i'll also be thinking what kind of customers am i serving today is that declining is your share being you know eroded by some of the new players uh, or not or you know i'm still safe or i think all these are all the different kinds of things i'll be thinking of so i'm going to build on that um and i share a personal story about uh, a delivery service that i thought was just brilliant uh and and i love the fact it's called uncle delivery and what <laughs> i say focus on uncle why uncle because it's focused on tradition look back look back to the to what people have done well and and, and this is very important now let me share a story uh my wife gave birth about 7 uh, months ago so and as most of you know in singapore when when you have a when you you're when you give birth to a child you have confinement so my wife is it's a terrible name confinement right being stuck at home for 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 30 days uh, the 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 mother of the child has to stay home for 30 days not, not like uh, we have that in china like, as well yeah um and and so my wife and i we're we're young, younger generation uh, gen x or whatever you call it uh, and we don't think so much about traditions and but we discovered something really really interesting uh my wife came across a deliver a delivery service for tonics from an old medical hall in in Chinatown okay and the beauty of this service is you go online you order you tell them which stage uh, you want uh, you tell them what stage of, of uh, pregnancy and they planned out your next 30 days of the tonic and they do things so when they deliver the ingredients in, in the past you have your you have your confinement nanny who will buy all the raw ingredients from the medical then you start to assemble every day what this store did it pa- it prepackages what the combination is for every single day day one day two day three day four and they meticulously every day is a different combination because they take into account where your your the state of your health will be that's the first thing they did right and for 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 a small fee they deliver the whole thing great deliver. second thing that i thought was a really nice touch they didn't ring the doorbell And why didn't they ring the doorbell? They say we know you're pregnant. You know, a small baby uh, sleeping. We know not to ring the doorbell, so we're going to message you. So come nice. to the door, right? So it's it's a and and when we it was so simple, but it was it hit us so hard. It's like wow, old school tradition, old school values of 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 uh, delivering the best, knowing your customer even be better than they know themselves, but delivered through a new technology, digital, and made our lives so simple, convenient. and we didn't even have we we were so worried about forgetting the traditions about what 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 should, what should we don't even have to call my mother in law right the the, the medicine hall did it for you and that's the beauty of it so i i think so so it's not just delivering products to your doorstep it's about delivering value to you and understanding you must be tired you have a baby sleeping we don't want to wake your baby it's, it's just understanding the, the entire customer experience so to speak that they're very human experience I thought that was it was a great example. It's a great case study. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think let me add to that, you know. Uh during this uh, pandemic in China, right? Uh we saw a lot of delivery apps actually showing the temperature of the delivery guy delivering the stuff to you. And you can see it on the map, the guy, you know, the the little bike riding there and his temperature showing. And when you received the the, the receipt would be stapled to your delivery and it would name the person who cooked it, the people who handled it and what their body temperatures were so these are little touches that makes your customers feel really secure and safe with your mm. brand so like small touches you know can really like bring your brand up and that's that's yeah. i think you know that's the heart of design thinking is empathy right empathy for your customers right like one empathy is like yeah you know i'm having a trouble i have a pain point i'm solving that and the second is putting yourself in their shoes and creating products and services uh that would like delight them and and uh, make them feel very you know connected to the brand can i that jump in here word. also and say can i jump in also 
That's great, could be what you're saying, but there's another one. Show empathy for the people who did do the delivery of the service. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the deliverer of the service, when you show, and, and there's so many great examples of this. I, I, I can think of at least two, but let me share just one very simple one. Uh, hospital in, in, in the US, uh, nurses dispensing medicine. And this hospital realized that they were dispensing something like 20% medicine incorrectly every day. Now, in, in a hospital, you, you just can't do that. It could be life-threatening, right? And, and they realized the reason why that was happening is because the nurses were completely distracted. When they're dispensing medicine, you have the doctor sh- shouting and say, oh, get me this, get me that. They get distracted. They're human beings, so they make mistakes in dispensing. So they did an experiment. You know that, that, that orange vest that the construction workers w- uh, wear, the safety vest, so they decided to put on the orange vest while you're dispensing uh, medicine. And the idea is that when you put on the orange vest, Everybody's saying, oh, that person is uh, doing uh, medicine, dis- the delivery, don't, don't distract them. Now, mm. it worked, right? But here's a really interesting thing. The nurses hated it. The nurses hated wearing this big orange vest because it kind of indicated to all the nurses, you don't know what you're doing. You need the orange vest to protect you from not giving the right medicine, <laughs> right? And they hated it. They were going to can the project, but the, 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 the mistakes dropped tremendously like 80% improvement. And it's like, wow, this just really works. But the way they got around the problem of the orange uh, vest is they told them, it says, you go redesign that vest. And they turned it into this, you know, flowery patterns that match their, their uniform. So you, you get the best of both worlds. Now they feel like professionals. They still are like professionals, right? At the same time, when, when other people see you wear that vest, you know, don't distract me. I'm delivering uh, uh, important service. So, so empathy, not only for the customers, but for the person delivering the service that matters. Fantastic. These are great stories. Conscious of the time, we're coming to the last part here. We've only got a few minutes left and a few surprises at the end as well. I've got a couple of questions. I'm saving your questions just to the end. Um, let's bring the slides back up. We have one last poll. Thank you very much for your examples. Um, I think everybody's commenting here that they, they like the examples. Empathy, very powerful. You guys are humble. Yep. Good example from Kevin on empathy. Ultimately design is about human and always comes from a human perspective first. That was from another Kevin. (laughs) Okay. A great examples, Kevin. So there we go. Everybody liked the examples here. I've got a couple of questions. Before we do that, um, you've got the link there to the Future of Work podcast. If you miss anything from today, there's a lot coming out. We have one last poll. Um, I want everybody to jump in and then we have the opportunity just to ask uh, a couple of questions in rounding up today. And if we don't get a chance to do all the questions, we'll give you the link to the Future of Work podcast where you can go and check out all the content and the details of the guests here today this is the last poll 352 of you are here 347 are you are here today i mean you stuck out to the hour so you can stick out for a few more minutes so i'll give you the link to register for part three so stick out for another few minutes and you'll get the link which will give you the uh express line to get your seat for part three so the question is which innovation tools and strategies you're interested in trying more in the next quarter. What's interesting to you? We've got design thinking, customer storytelling, data storytelling, small cross-functional teams, focus groups, market research. There you go. There's interesting focus groups, uh, probably the least popular one there, but design thinking at the top, 36% of people, 35% of people interested in trying it out in the next quarter. Well, that's just part one of the Dash Plus framework few more seconds to vote we'll give you another 10 seconds we might have to cut you off short because time's running out so please make your decisions now we want to know what you're interested in trying next quarter design thinking popular here 40 percent almost the people are interested in trying that in the next quarter um customer storytelling data storytelling storytelling a big part of that whole process as well i think that's the empathy part here as well the more traditional ones about focus groups and market research are obviously less popular um maybe people are doing them already but that seems to be a vote for design thinking and storytelling today um a couple more seconds on the poll and then we'll take some questions i'll tell you what let's leave the poll open and then people can keep voting and i'll round up some of the questions there's been a lot of questions here today so apologies if we can't do them all stick around we'll do a couple of questions and then i'll give you the link to register for number three and obviously as you can see 350 people are taking part in the webinar this far in an hour in today so it's been really popular um so seats are limited on these webinars so stick around for a few minutes and you'll get the link to part three um 
Okay, so let's take some questions. Maybe we can take one question. There has been a number of questions. If I can group these together about, um, you know, competence internally. So, for example, budgets, you know, maybe we don't have the resources of Apple. That was one question asked. Um, maybe we don't have the culture of Apple. Um, that's another one as well. We don't have that kind of risk-taking culture. Um, so I think people are, you know, concerned. Maybe they're not an Apple. They're not a Pixar. Um, maybe internally, Kevin, for example, you talked about collaboration as messy. Um, you know, what do we do about that? So maybe it's not as easy to go into my organization because we don't have the culture, we don't have the budgets, and we don't have the structure set up to innovate. What do I do? Where do I start? It seems like such a big challenge. It seems like a mountain to climb. Uh, what do I do? Because 39% of people say, saying here that they want to try design thinking in the next quarter. What do I do? Because I'm not an Apple. Kevin, where do I start? Trust the process. Go, 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 learn, go learn the process. Uh, it's one thing to read and, and take courses, but you need to make the process part of your own culture. Make it yours. Make it yours. I think the great thing about the Apple story, that the fact that there's no, uh, they don't use the word design thinking, don't use the word innovation. Neither of the, any of the companies that we use today, no one uses the design thinking. Design thinking, it's a, it's a label that, that has been used uh, to popularize, to communicate an idea, but it's about practicing that. You know, it, we've been practicing innovation for as long as humans have been around, right? And, and, and it's important to understand that. So go learn, learn from the best how it works and internalize it, make it yours. And once you make it yours, trust the process. It gets messy, it gets uncomfortable, it's, it's uncertain, but trust the process. If you're not sure, check your teammates, check, check ask for advice, ask for help, and, and just trust the process, it'll work out eventually. Great. You know, also, I would say, uh, get some quick, simple wins. Mm. Right? Mm. Don't, I mean, you may have a big vision of what you want to do, but show them that you can deliver small wins. And it's, it's really motivating for the team. It gives some sort of like, you know, justification to the management as well. So, uh, yeah, do do small yeah. projects first and uh, get some kind Apple, of... Like that's great advice. Yeah. I think that's, that's really good and, you know, common sense advice. It's like quick wins because you have to fight your corner internally for your projects, right? And you've got those early successes. It helps you justify later successes, right? Because it's so easy if you're working on a long project with a long, you know, window of ROI to get cut off that you may have a bigger vision, right? So quick wins, early wins, right? Fantastic. Hey, folks, thank you for joining us for this webinar. Um, I'm going to share with you the link so you can reserve your place for part three because obviously you've enjoyed it today. Let's flick forward to the final screen before we get to the contact, we'll come back to the contacts. We'll leave those up as we sign off. Can we get to the link? There we go. So this is what you need to do. Um, the wonders of modern technology. If you want to sign up for part three, just open up your phone like so. Get that QR code, folks. And just open it up. It will send you to a link. We'll put the link in the chat as well. Um, just keep that open. Leave it there. It's not going to run out. You're going to get a seat if you register today, so you can just leave it in the background for now. We've got 500 um, registration places available, so please join us for part three. Uh, this is a journey. We're part three. We're taking it to the next level, which is really all about agile. That's where we go. Once we, I mean, Kapil already introduced it today, talking about design thinking, you know, lean startup. We're really now getting into the world of agile, and really, what is that within? corporates and what are agile cultures and how does that actually manifest in the day-to-day -day. so grab yourself a seat for part three and the link is there in the chat if you want to register now so i'll give you a few seconds just to grab that link because that will drop off by the way when the webinar drops off so don't lose it and if we can just flash up the screen as well with some contact details for the Singapore Institute of Management crew. We can just leave those here. So anybody that's interested in contacting Singapore Institute of Management, these are your best points of contact. Um, they are here today. I'm sure they'll be happy to talk to you about anything that you've interested in today. If you're interested in talking to the panelists as well, Kevin and Kapil, they are on LinkedIn. So I'm sure they'll be happy to hear from you. I'm sure you got some reach outs from LinkedIn already as well. So from the last one, from part one. 
If you have any questions, I'm sure a lot of questions didn't get answered today. Please contact Kapil and Kevin. So make a note of their names now. We've got a few more seconds left on the webinar, so just so you can take some notes, get that link, get the contact details of Singapore Institute of Management here, and also write down the names of our esteemed guests today who did a great job of sharing stories. Hopefully you enjoyed it as well. I really enjoyed the stories. If you like the stories, if you liked the case studies, the anecdotes, rather than death by PowerPoint, um, let us know in the chat as well. We'd love to um, hear your feedback what you think about this format as well. And if you've enjoyed it, that you would like to share it with the world, then social media, share on LinkedIn, any of the key takeaways from today, any of the key quotes, would love to hear what worked for you. Anything on LinkedIn would be great. We'll be um, commenting on anything that's aimed at us on social media as well. Thank you, everybody. We had a great turnout today. We had, uh, I think at peak, about 380 people, which was fantastic. I don't know how many countries, but it was certainly more than just China and Singapore. So we've done a great job there. Thank you, everybody, for your comments. It's been fantastic interacting with you all today and hearing your feedback and your questions and voting as well. Lots of useful interactions. And lastly, but not leastly, I'd like to thank the uh, guests, Kevin and Kapil. Thank you so much for your anecdotes. It was great. It was, I really enjoyed the stories today. Oh, you're welcome, You have been listening to The Future of Work with me, Graham Brown. If you like what you heard, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Don't forget to leave a review and a rating on your favorite episode. We'll be back with a brand new episode in two weeks. Bye.